Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is so good to see you. And I would just like to point out, I did say it would be sunny in May. I just didn't specify when. I thought it would be sunny the whole of May. So unfortunately, we've had to postpone the last two Sundays uh, that we've been here. Um, and hopefully you've been able to connect online. But the glorious weather has returned. Hopefully we'll be here now for the next few weeks. Uh, as Becca said, we are aiming to be back in the building. We've just got to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Um, and hopefully June the 27th will be our first Sunday back in the building. But we will just have to wait and see. Um, if you're visiting here this morning, this afternoon, um, my name is Ian. I'm one of the elders of the church. Um, if you're from a different church background, that means I, am, I have leadership responsibility within the church, and I'm just really pleased that you could be with us this afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed our time of worship. Uh, we have been going through the book of Luke, um, so we're going to read the passage again in a moment as we try to apply this to our lives. We believe the word of God is living and active, and we want to apply it to our lives for today as well. Um, just some other news as well. Um, I'm sad to announce really that our administrator Jasmine has stepped down from her post and has moved on from the church as well. Uh, we're really sad about that as the leadership team and trustees. If you've got any questions about that, feel free to come and speak to me or any of the trustees, that's Steve Collins, um, Nigel Parrington, AO, uh, myself or Adam Northcroft. But you're welcome to come and speak to us about that. We're, we're very sad about that, but we also just uh, pray for Jasmine as she moves on in the next steps in her journey. Um, right, we're going to be digging in today, looking at these verses that follow on from last week where Jesus looked at the parable of the wicked tenants. We saw in those verses Jesus was telling a parable of the vineyard owner who sent his servants along to the tenants to receive fruit from his land. And the tenants would send the servants away empty-handed, beaten and rejected. And then after a third time, the landlord sends along his beloved son. And we see the reflection of Jesus being killed, of being put out of the city, uh, where it says they threw the son out of the vineyard and killed him. And Jesus uses really strong language um, against uh, these religious leaders of the time. It says um, in the passage that Jeeves looked at last week that, that Jesus looked directly at them and says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And they know that the, the Pharisees know that he's talking about them. But they're not happy about it. And that leads us into those verses from Luke 20, from 19 to 26. I'm just going to go over them again just to refresh it in our minds. Um, from verse, Luke chapter 20, verse 19. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something, he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said. And there in public, and they were astonished by his answer and they became silent. Last week, Jesus talked about these encounters a bit like a boxing match and there were punches being 
thrown between Jesus and these religious leaders, these kind of, not literal punches, by the way. Uh, and we see in these verses, today, the scribes and the chief priests are angry with Jesus. And they realized the parable that preceded this verse was about them. They wanted to catch Jesus out. And the next blow they were trying to land were with these questions, with these sneaky spies. And they send these spies pretending to be sincere, and uh, they're flattering Jesus with this false humility. They start with a flattery. Teacher, we see that you speak and teach what is right, and you don't show partiality. They sound so nice and kind, don't they? But teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And Jesus always consistently detects all forms of flattery and sees right through them. They think, well, we've got him here with this question. If he says one thing, he's a traitor to the people of Israel. If he says another, he's in defiance of the rule of Rome. Either way, they think they've got him in a trap and that they'll see him dragged before the rulers of the day. And the question is, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it lawful? Can we pay taxes to Caesar without dishonouring the one and only God? What they were asking specifically was this kind of, it was kind of like a poll tax, if you're old enough to remember that, land tax. Um, geez, you have no idea about poll tax, do you? It was a big deal in the day. Um, these people were under the tyranny of the Roman rule. And this poll tax was kind of represented as this additional bitter burden to the Israelites. Um, it was already added to, there's a huge B around me, the joys of doing this outside. I tell my kids all the time not to be scared of bees. Um, no, it's not. Um, it's on top of these taxes that they're already paying, civic and religious taxes. It's estimated that a person's income was taxed somewhere between 30 and 50% every person. Um, so it was civic and religious taxes were on top of, of this. And if he were to say, yes, you should pay your taxes, he was supporting Rome and this pagan cult of the Roman state. So what would he say? How would he answer? If you'd say, yes, pay taxes to Rome, he'd be a traitor to the Israelites, to the Jews. They're asking, are you loyal to Israel? Which is looking for its independence. Or should we, Jesus, knuckle down under the Roman rule? They would have been people looking, there would have been people looking to start um, a revolution at the time against Rome, and maybe Jesus could start the ball rolling if he, if he answers in a certain way. If he says, well, we shouldn't pay taxes to Rome, and the people would report him to the Romans, and they wouldn't hesitate to eliminate anyone who might seem like a threat to the peace of the empire. And we can see already the temperature starting to turn up. Just remember where we are in Luke. We are heading towards, we're in the last days before Jesus is crucified. The temperature's starting to turn they're up now and they want him executed. Their motives have now become sinister. But as usual, Jesus is two steps ahead of everybody. At least. He sees through their duplicity or in other versions it says craftiness or hypocrisy. He sees this hypocritical ploy and he knows the evil behind their motivation. He knows they're trying to get him to incriminate himself. So it says, he saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription are on it? And this coin, this denarii, would have, 
had the image of Caesar Tiberius. And an inscription on the coin would have said something like, son of the divine Augustus Pontifus Maximus. And on the back, it would have said high priest. So basically, this coin says king, high priest, son of God. So they answer correctly, Caesar, they say. So Jesus replies, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Firstly, this coin literally did belong to Caesar. It would have been made from his treasury. And this is probably as close to a political statement as Jesus will get. And notice he doesn't condemn Rome. He's not interested in changing the agenda of the rulers. He's actually more interested in a people that honour God. That's what he's after. So governments have the right to exist and expect its citizens to contribute to functioning, supporting government in taxes, and it doesn't violate your commitment to God. There are some things that governments agree to and adhere to which do contravene the word of God, and we need to be wise about those things. But here, Jesus says, whose image is on it? Pay it back to Caesar. What he deserves belongs to him. And he's not dodging the question here. He's, he's answering. What he's really doing is trivialising the question. Really, what he's saying is that all power, all earthly power, derives from God anyway. We're called to submit to the rulers and authorities. Romans 13, 1-2 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So, unless the law of the land requires us to somehow disobey God, followers of Christ should be law-abiding citizens where they live. It's quite relevant for the times that we've been in over the last 15 months or so. How have we been following the rules and regulations for the, for the COVID pandemic? I think I'm probably getting a bit frustrated by it, but I still want to adhere. The flesh doesn't, but I still adhere to the rules and regulations. I always wonder what Jesus' response would have been as he's looking at that coin that says, Son of God, High Priest. Almost, it doesn't say this, this is just me musing. I always wonder if he had a wry smile as he's looking at this coin that says, Son of God, High, or high Priest. And the answer to his question is, give back to Caesar what has his image on it. And also, it's appropriate to give God the things that bear his image too. What has God's image? What bears God's image? We do. We bear God's image. And ultimately, everything belongs to him. Everything comes to, from him. Caesar, if Caesar deserves his coin, then God deserves all of humanity has in it. The spies have come to set this political trap for Jesus. And following on from Jesus' analogy last week from the boxing, they think they've got him on the ropes. But Jesus tells them to give their lives to God. Yes, pay taxes, support right and appropriate governments, but we can't put all of our trust in them. 
Ultimately, we need to give our respect and unconditional obedience to God. God has made us, he has made you in his image. He deserves ultimate love and allegiance. He's the one we should give our all. I think we've seen over-dependence on government through this pandemic. People are treating government like God. Anything goes wrong, well, the government should have done better. People are losing hope, they're anxious, they're losing their jobs, well, the government doesn't support them enough. Ultimately, it is God who provides comfort. It is God who can bring peace to your anxiety. It is God who will provide for you. We cannot trust and rely on earthly governments and organisations to be our ultimate providers and bringers of peace. We cannot completely lean one way or the other politically. We may vote for a party, but neither parties are the complete solution. Oh, if only it was this party in government, things would have been so much better. No, actually... There would have still been things that we would have complained about. There still would have been mistakes made because there are people in charge. Caesar's kingdom, Boris's government, all derive from God's rule. And if everything comes from God, everything derives from him, then Caesar only has what he has because God has allowed it. Caesar's sphere, Boris's sphere, Joe Biden's sphere, whoever, whatever ruler of a country, rights are limited because if we render everything to God, his claim over your life is total and everything belongs to him. Caesar's sphere is limited. Caesar asks to do something that, that contradicts what God wants us to do, then his sphere is limited. Jesus reminds Pontius Pilate of, this, of his limited earthly authority uh, as he's before him, as he's being tried. In John chapter 19, verse 11, he says, Jesus is speaking here to Pontius Pilate. He says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. In Acts 5, verse 29, um, the, the apostles have been dragged again before the rulers of the day. And Pete, it says, Peter and the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. These are times when they were asking them to do things that contravened what God was asking them to do. However, our earthly submission to people with authority should be affected by who we are in God. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks about wives submitting to husbands as if to the Lord and it shows us we should submit to whoever has authority over us, be it our boss, our teachers, our, our pastors, whoever it be, we do it because of who God is in us. We, of course, always mean, always mean thoughtful and right submission, not to bad, abusive authority. We don't just mean submit to any authority. We should give ourselves to the right things at the right time appropriately. We should work hard, pay our taxes, submit, obey. But ultimately, we should give everything, above everything else, give it to God, what belongs to him. That is our life. That is our time. That is our concentration, our hopes, our fears, our dreams. We should give everything over to him. 
our fears for the future, our fears for our family, for our relationships, for our nation. Give it all to him. There is such fear and anxiety around. Even before the pandemic, I, I, I seem to have noticed quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. And fear sometimes will come from the unknown. But let me assure you, you can find your peace in your total and utter commitment to Christ. To the one who has sovereign right over all creation and everything in it. We are to be stewards of all that he's created. To use what, is in, uh, what he's designed and use it the way it's supposed to be used. When you find yourself totally and utterly committed to Christ, is your first allegiance. You will find peace. Fear of the future will start to disappear. Well, you could have one foot in each world. And then you'll start to worry. You'll start to be anxious. See, we can read things like Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Oh, Lord, that sounds so good. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. We can read those things. And then it just goes and disappears. Almost like a fridge magnet mentality. But we need it in us. We need to meditate on that. And we as the church should be a perfect model to the world, to the culture around us, because reformation cannot take place by changing structures, by governments doing well. Hearts must be changed. That's the business that we need to be in. It's changing hearts. Hearts must be changed by a church, and we should be a community that serves as a light to a place where people could point to that operates differently from the world. The church should show what relationships, healthy relationships look like, how the needs of the poor can be met with compassion, what the absence of racism looks like, how uh, people can engage in business with integrity, how reconciliation can take place, and when people have failed one another and so on. We are in this time where people are looking to the government and other organisations to fix the problems, but we, as the church, have the solution. We have the kingdom that reigns over all other kingdoms. The one that all authority and power derives from. The one who is coming back one day that will make all things new, where there will be no more pain and no more suffering. And you can experience this. You can be part of the kingdom right now because through the cross of Christ, through Jesus dying on a cross for you, you can be part of that. Jesus knew that you would turn your back on him one day and he died for you. And he says at the end of the verse that people went away amazed by what Jesus had said. They were marvelling at his answers. Have you ever marvelled at Jesus? When was the last time you marvelled at Jesus? Have you ever been blown away by him? If not, maybe you have never really met Jesus. Maybe you've never fully comprehended all that he has done for you because you were dead in your trespasses and sins and you were far from him. 
If you have never given your life to Christ, you are far from God right now. But you can be brought near very easily. I'm just going to read from Ephesians 2. It's a well-known verse, and it just describes our situation. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work, at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Not, not me because I've lived a decent life. No, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. It doesn't paint a good picture that we were far from God, everyone. No one was separate from this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, by grace, not because what you've done, not because you started to be more like Jesus, not because you made an intellectual decision, but you've been saved by grace. Not a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we should walk in him are you ready to give to God what is God's you're made in his image you belong to him he died for you all you need to do is ask him into your life if you're anxious you can cast all of your anxieties upon him he is your chief shepherd we can hear those great verses like Psalm 23. We can retweet clips of it or repeat it. We can post it. We can insta it. We can put it on our fridge magnet. But before you eat, before you tweet it, you need to eat it. You need to get it into you. Consume it. Meditate on it day and night. You were far and you've been brought near. There were two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. God is calling us today, saying, which one do you want to be in? And actually, if we're being in the kingdom of light, we can have an answer to the world's solutions. We can have an answer to all of the anxiety that is around right now. Pre, post, during pandemic, whatever situation... We should be the city on the hill, the light that is shining brightly. Do you want to be a part of that kingdom? Maybe you've been in the kingdom. Maybe you've had one foot in and one foot out over this time. It's been such a difficult, distracting, exhausting time. And you say, Lord, I feel far from you right now. Well, right now, you can come back to him. Now is a moment. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you all to stand if you are able.
Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you have been in one kingdom, if you say, I am not a Christian, I have never given my life to Christ, you can do that now. And I'm just going to pray a short prayer. And then after that, church, we are going to pray and ask God to help us give everything to him. Give God what is God's. So I'm going to pray that first prayer. If you have never given your life to Jesus, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I'm just going to pray a short prayer. You can say it quietly, just in the peace and quiet of your own mind, if you like. When we close our eyes, just putting our hands out is just like a sign to him between you and God saying, Lord, I, I want to meet you. Crossing our arms, putting our hands in our pockets is a kind of bless me if you can attitude. So, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I am sorry that I've turned my back on you. Thank you that you died for my sins on the cross. Now, please forgive me and come and take first place in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to help me follow you. Amen. And Lord, we want to just give ourselves again afresh to you this afternoon. We can be so easily distracted. We can be so easily distraught or anxious or fearful. But Lord, we want to have two feet in, in the kingdom, in the, the kingdom of light, the one who has come, the one who has given life and life in all its fullness. Lord, help us give everything over to you. Give to God what belongs to God. You're made in his image. He wants to be in relationship with you. Just have a moment before the living God. Don't just read this book and then move on. No, this book has impact in our life. The Holy Spirit comes and meets with us. We've heard about faith in the back. Adam just came and spoke to me before I um, came up to speak. But it felt like there was somebody else here with shearing pain down their back. But God wants to meet with you this afternoon. If you want to be prayed for this afternoon, if you've got pain in your back, God wants to meet you this afternoon. Adam would love to pray with you over to my right, to your left, at the end. Well, God would say to you again this afternoon, where are you? What kingdom are you in? Are you one foot in or one foot out? Give to God what belongs to him. Lord, I pray, Father, help us as your bride, as your body, Lord, to be a light unto the nations. Help us be a light to those around us in darkness. Help us, Lord, reach those who are suffering and struggling right now. 
who are far from you. I pray, Lord, that as we move forward through these coming months and to the end of the year and beyond, we see many, many more added into your kingdom. Where peace will come. Anxieties will disappear. In Jesus' name. Amen.